Welcome to the Paychex HR Leadership Podcast Series. Today's topic is payroll innovation. Our guest speaker is Trish McFarlane, author of the HR Ringleader blog and the CEO and principal analyst for H3 HR Advisors. A former HR executive and HCM product leader with over 20 years of experience in big four public accounting, PR, healthcare, manufacturing, and IT, Trish brings that knowledge to her clients as an analyst and advisor. Welcome, Trish. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So when we talked about you being on the show and the type of topics you'd want to discuss, you chose payroll innovation. I did. I love payroll. I might be the only analyst I've ever heard of that loves payroll. I spent a majority of my career in human resources being an HR leader and actually running payroll. And so I was very passionate about making sure that what we were doing for employees was not only what was needed by the organization from a business perspective to make an impact, but also what was coming down the line. And even though this was five or six years ago, it was still very important to have innovation in payroll. That's interesting to me because when I hear payroll, I think accurate every other week, clockwork. It doesn't seem like it's a place where there's a lot of room for change. For employees, that's what we want you to think. We really want you to not be thinking about it, in fact. In my view, if payroll is working well, you're not thinking about it because everything is running smoothly. It is about accuracy. It is about security of your data, those very things, that things are just happening as they should and employees are being paid as they should. But from an HR perspective or from a payroll leader's perspective or even a CFO or CEO, it can be quite different. You really do need to be thinking about what are some of the methods that we're using to pay our people? Does our technology support those pay practices that we really want to be doing in order to both hire people, retain them, and make sure that there is equitable distribution of funds. So it's very involved. And I think that that's probably more the behind the scenes that most people don't see. And that's a good thing. Very much so. Are you seeing changing workforce, changing employee habits being a driver for innovation? Oh, I think so. I think with the use of mobile technology, you have more people than ever using smartphones, some using tablets, but mostly smartphones, being able to access their pay information, being able to check not only did they get paid, but what does that really mean? Can they sort of start picking apart that pay and understanding their taxes, their other withholdings, things like that? So as there's a demand from the employees for this type of technology, it just makes sense that from the perspective of the buyer, the HR leader, or again, the C-suite, you're looking for technology solutions that would offer you all of those things to make it a very easy thing for your employees to use. And again, I think if you go back not very far, three, four, five years, you weren't really seeing that as much as you are today. So it's a rapidly evolving piece of the HCM process. Yeah, it wasn't too long ago. I had direct deposit and I would get a hard copy and that told me what was on my pay stub. Right. And now people want it right on their phones. And I don't know if it's a generational thing or a me thing, but I never looked at my pay stub for years. You know, I might check my bank account to see, did it go in? But now more than ever, I feel like people really are interested to make sure that what they're being paid is what they're supposed to be being paid. And again, with access comes more curiosity. So as the technology advances, you have a generation of workers who are now much more attuned to what it should involve. And they want to see that. And I can definitely see that with my daughters. They live on their phones. They don't use 
laptop computers to check anything. Absolutely. And you know what? It's not just a younger generation. You know, my parents who are in their late 70s, they are on their phones all the time as well. And so when my dad is, you know, he's working his second career, he's the person who's on his phone looking at what the payroll is from his current employer. So it can be very important. It's sort of retraining those of us who have been in the work world for a long time as to why we really should be checking these things and want access. And it's much more comforting for the people who are joining the workforce too. In addition to access, I get the feeling that employees and employers want there to be more self-service, more control. I want to be able to do more with my phone, direct deposit and taxes and such. They do. I think you see that probably more acceptable in payroll specifically. And that's why I think it's important that you know there's innovation around how that's being handled with employees. Because depending on the industry, if you're in healthcare, for example, they might want a little bit less of self-service because those are caregivers. So they want to maybe be cared for a little bit more or feel like they're cared for. But that's where payroll innovation can come in. Can you somehow build the technology in a way to bring caring and concern with healthcare professionals as they're making decisions about where and when to work? If you can manage that, that would be one way to really sort of make self-service much more palatable for certain industries. In other industries, it's maybe a necessity. If you're in manufacturing or retail or something where you're on maybe a floor where you have customers around all the time, you really might want to be able to check something fairly quickly on your phone. You don't have time to go find a computer. Or maybe you're someone who just doesn't have access in your home to a computer, right? You don't want to have to go to a library or something to go find a computer to log in. You want to be able to do it on your smartphone. So innovation is very important in that regard. And it's interesting, you were really talking a lot about personalization there, the idea mm -hmm. that one size does not fit all. Right. Well, I think the technology overall can be a little bit less personalized, but as long as the employee feels like it's more personalized, as long as they're able to use it in a way that's comfortable, it's not necessarily about the generation they're in, but if they feel like it's for their generation, if it feels like it's for their industry, and maybe it can be innovation that's blanket across the board, but again, what they see versus what's behind the scenes can be very different as long as the end user experience feels like it's for them. Have you seen any employers explore personalizing pay frequency, allowing Rob to get paid at one timing and Trish receive her pay in a different way or different times? I've heard talk about that. There aren't a lot who are actually implementing that because I think there are a lot of questions around how do you communicate that appropriately? How do you track that? But it's definitely been on the minds of employers in the last especially year to 18 months maybe. I think that what they're wanting is a way to differentiate themselves because with the talent market being so tight, that's just another way. If I can say, you know what, I'm able to pay you today for work you did today, that's a great thing for a lot of people. I mean, if you think back, for example, to the temporary industry, right? We talk about gig workers. Well, now you're seeing highly educated gig workers. And before it might have been maybe more industrial or administrative workers. But again, we were able to pay them pretty quickly, if not the same day, within 24 hours. You're now starting to see other types of employees wanting that same flexibility. So, you know, I think there are opportunities for companies that want to do that, but it's bigger than just the technology. You have to also have a really strong support of your vendor in terms of how do you communicate that to your employees? What are some of the benefits? What are some of the risks? Right? Because when you think about things like financial well-being, for example, being able to understand how to best budget for yourself, you might think, well, I want to be paid daily or every other day. Is that really the best thing for your employee base? Maybe, maybe not. So again, it just depends. But having that flexibility is what's important. It's very interesting. Have you seen vendors and providers in the marketplace thinking about this as well, even having that capability? 
they're definitely talking about it. I think until you see that there is a high demand starting to come from the potential customers or existing customers for that, it's going to take probably, honestly, a few big companies. You know, if you see really big Fortune 100 companies starting to really want that, that'll get some buzz generated and you'll start seeing that coming into play. But it's definitely being talked about. Absolutely. Another topic around payroll I've heard talked about is pay modeling. Can you Mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit? I can. That's actually something I'm very passionate about. You know, we talked a little bit about people who might work in certain industries. So again, back to maybe healthcare. If you are in a healthcare provider and you have a group of nurses who maybe have different pay differentials for different types of shifts, different departments they work in, and you've asked someone from your ER to go pick up a shift in the call center, do they want to do that, not want to do that? It's really interesting for them to be able to, especially on their phone, Model that out. Well, what does it look like if I pick up this shift? What does that do to my pay versus what if I just stay and work the next eight hours in my current role? They can start making some decisions based on what that does to the end result of their paycheck. Same way with retail. You could see that maybe coming into place. So I think we're going to get more and more demand for being able to model out what does my paycheck look like. You might also have people who say, you know what? No, I'm not going to pick up that shift. I've modeled it out and I'm good where I am. Yeah, I'm good. Right. And again, that might tie back to that idea of pay frequency. If you're paying people more in the moment and they feel like, you know, this is just a job I'm coming to to get X number of hours and I've achieved that. Maybe I really don't want to pick up those extra hours. Well, instead of putting someone into a position where maybe they're not going to be engaged in that shift, you might offer it to someone else who really does want to pick up that work. So, again, it ties to performance, how you compete with your competitors in your industry. It's a lot of benefits to doing it that way. I could even see it come into play for just a standard worker, a standard salary, mm-hmm. who's trying to figure out withholdings and the 401k oh, sure. and just wants to understand the impact before they commit to it. Oh, very much so. Yeah. I think, too, for the leaders of a, a certain department, division, being able to model out pay, well, what does it look like if I offer these shifts to these workers? It gives you more control over your workforce from an employer perspective. And it lets the employee feel, back to that personalized experience, it lets them feel like they have a lot more control over saying yes to something. It's a much more informed decision than in the moment feeling like, I have to pick up an extra shift or do I need to? Exactly. And I can see it being a more sophisticated way for employers of even handling overtime, deciding whether or not the overtime is worth it on their side, let alone the employees. Yeah, I think it goes both ways. Absolutely. Both people will feel like they have a more informed decision that they're making based on how that models out, how it impacts both the overall budget and then for the individual, how it impacts their final paycheck. It feels like we're verging into that world of pay visibility and pay transparency and business leaders Mm -hmm. seeing what's really happening in their organization. I hope so. I feel like for me, again, I'm passionate about payroll, but it's because there is such a strategy that's behind it that doesn't really get maybe talked about as often as it should. It gives you the sense that what you're doing from a pay perspective really does make a difference. Sometimes I think when you get inside an organization, you feel like maybe the decisions that you make around what to pay someone, whether it's where they fall within a certain pay range, or again, down to the granularity of how many hours they're working, you don't really see the overall impact of that. And there's much more focus now on business impact of technology. To me, it makes sense that payroll is one really great way to have visibility into your business impact overall. It's the language of finance. So for many years, there's been such a disconnect between human resources and finance leaders. This is that language you can speak that's the same so that everyone really understands if you have transparency around pay, 
It just makes sense. I imagine it really comes into play when I'm talking about recruiting and retention as well. Mm-hmm. I know my daughters with their friends, they all know what each other make. They all look on Glassdoor. Right. Our secret paycheck is no longer quite so secret. That's definitely a both cultural and generational difference, I would say. Certainly in my generation, it was you didn't talk about pay. You know, you weren't going to share that with anyone for many reasons. It just was a little taboo. Or what if you shared it with them and you were either making more and now they felt bad or vice versa, right? And there wasn't a lot you could do about it. One of the things I like about it is if someone has visibility into both the pay range of a certain position, which can fluctuate. If the employee comes to you, for example, if you're the leader and they come to you and say, you know, I feel like I'm not being paid fairly. You can actually have that discussion with them and say, no, you really are. And here's why. Here is our methodology as to why we pay you at market or above market or below market sometimes. I've had those discussions. So a little bit goes back onto the culture of the employer. Are they open to having those discussions? I've seen it work both ways. In cultures where they're not open to having those discussions, though, it can really stir up more trouble than it's worth. So. It's not just about having the capabilities, which is important. It's about having the communications and the culture to support pay transparency, whether it's from the individual perspective or from the leader's perspective. I could see culture being a huge factor. If I am the type of organization that's willing to be open Mm -hmm. about what I'm paying my people, Mm -hmm. I best be really on the up and up. That's true. And sometimes I think when you think about organizations where If you're not having transparency around pay, you're probably not having transparency around other people practices. Your leaders may not feel equipped to have discussions about all sorts of things. I think if you institute pay transparency, not only are you sort of guaranteeing that your employees feel like they're at least being paid fairly compared to their neighbors, they feel like they can have a different kind of discussion with their leadership because their leaders are really now part of running the business. It depends. If you really want something that's only led by your C-suite, you're not really informing your leaders, you might not want to go down the pay transparency path. Right. But today, more than ever, I mean, we see story after story in the news about whether it's female versus male pay transparency issues. If you see different races having disputes around pay transparency, I think that people are more informed than ever. And so you really can also help avoid some of the PR blowups that a lot of organizations are facing right now. I mean, do you really want to spend your time kind of dealing with the fallout because you're not transparent and fair with your pay? Or would you rather be proactive and figure out what is your strategy around pay and informing your employees. I think the benefits outweigh it, but it'll remain to be seen with the cultures. Exactly. It sounds like a huge cultural issue. Mm -hmm. If I value diversity and I want a diverse workforce, it feels like that transparency is a no-brainer. I'm glad you mentioned diversity because I think, you know, again, this is not a new topic. I've been doing this for over 25 years. That's been since I started into human resources. We've always talked about, you know, we want a diverse workforce. And, you know, the first step was sort of hiring a diverse workforce. But when you don't take those other steps to make sure that what you're doing is not only inclusive, but helping them feel like they belong you're going to lose those workers. Or even if they have the sense, you might be completely paying them fairly, but if they have the sense that you're not, it's going to just drive a wedge. They will never feel like they completely belong in the organization. So 
for me, it always made sense in the organizations I worked for that we would be honest with people. And also that way as a leader, you feel like you're empowered. If you see that you have areas where you are not having pay equity when performance or output or results really are equivalent, it's a wake up call for you too. It's a benefit to you. So I think kind of putting your head in the sand or hiding from it, it's not a good solution or strategy for your organization. I could see it even impacting performance. If I find out I'm getting paid 80% of what Trish is getting paid, I'll probably do 80% of the work. Absolutely. Or less. Or less. Or less. And I think, too, I've led large teams myself. You know, I've had those people who come in and say, I need a $1 an hour raise. And you know, again, as the leader, you might not think that's a big deal. That's a big deal to that person. Being able to sit that person down and say, tell me why. Why do you think you need an increase? Where do you think you are in the market? What research have you done? Have that discussion with me. I mean, it's okay to push back on your employees too, to see why do they feel they're not being paid fairly. What a real value if I can actually then turn around and say, well, I understand and hear you, but also look here. Here's where you can see you are being paid the market rate for your role or whatever, it really changes the conversation. And it makes it, again, much more inclusive and they feel like they belong because now you're including them in how this all transpires. Nothing feels like you're trying to pull the wool over their eyes. You're not secretive about it. It's very matter of fact. Business to me is very matter of fact, right? So it's when people get emotional when they think that something's happening and it may or may not be. I'd much rather be upfront with them and say, no, let's talk about what is and we can move from there. That's why I would love to have the data, the analytics, the benchmarking, so I can have that conversation and tell employees, I'm not making this up, this is how it works. That's a hard discussion. You know, now you're starting to talk about how do leaders feel when they're having those sometimes difficult conversations? Are they equipped to have them? And this is why when you start looking at your people practices holistically, all of these things, they're not in a vacuum. You know, hiring people is not one silo and payroll is another and performance is another. It all ties together. And that's why, because you really want your leaders to feel informed, comfortable, able to have these discussions so that they can have the people feel like they really want to stay with your organization. The organizations that aren't doing so well, they don't have those discussions at all and people leave. And really, they might have been paid fairly all along. Perception's an interesting thing when it comes to human resources. So I love payroll innovation because I feel like it at least gives you the opportunity as the employer to make a conscious choice as to whether or not your culture will fit with that particular type of data. So you've talked in the past about how payroll systems tend to be the least replaced or the least updated in Mm -hmm. my HR technology suite. Right. Is it because people don't understand what innovation can do for them or is it just it's working? Why try to fix it? What, What are you seeing there? I think it's a little bit of both. It's probably that for me, when I go back to being a buyer myself, I really wanted to make sure that my payroll and my benefits administration were solid. That was my first thought. As long as I had that, you know, that was my must have. Everything else was sort of an add on to that. It's very difficult for human resource professionals to write a business case to go out and spend hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars on HR systems. And so they might only do this once in their career. So I think part of it comes down to they haven't done it before, or maybe they haven't had a mentor kind of walk them through, or if they are long-term at an organization, they might not have had those opportunities to even go through selection and making those decisions. So that's part of it. It's fear. 
The good news is in the last, say, 10 years online, there's much more information for potential buyers to go out and figure out, how do I do this? What are the steps I need to take? How do I inform myself to make these type of buying decisions? So I think you'll start to see that number go down as to how often maybe people are buying that. I think also the move to the cloud where these updates come naturally. But back when I was in human resources and started out, you bought a system and you stuck with it because that's what you did. Or you joined an organization and you inherited a set of providers. It took a while before you really wanted to rock the boat and maybe try something new. So there are a lot of complexities around why. What I really like about our conversation today is how you didn't confine innovation to technology, that there's innovation culturally and process-wise how I should approach this. Oh, it's both. I do think that's one area if I were to go back when I talk with HR professionals is to be open to when you're talking with your vendor or any potential provider. That's why you want a partner. You want someone who can help guide you because here at Paychex, for example, you have a customer base. You're seeing all sorts of different types of size companies, different industries. You're really getting a holistic view of the work world. Whereas if I'm an HR person, I have 200 employees, I have a very insulated view of what human resources might look like. And so having a partnership with someone, it's really educational for me as a leader. And I'll get a much bigger perspective on things I need to do from a process standpoint, from a culture standpoint. And I'll start understanding I'm not really just buying technology. Honestly, I don't think you're just buying technology at all. You're buying a partnership with someone who's going to help sort of pull you along the way. And that person or that account manager is also sort of helping you go back and reinforce the business case with your C-suite. You know, for years, everyone wants the seat at the table. If you really want a seat at the table, that's how you get it. You have to be an informed person when it comes to technology and the impact that it has on you. So that's what I would tell HR people. Any parting thoughts for our listeners as we talk about payroll innovation and what they should think about and care about and what might be coming? I think they should just really seek it out. Again, I think that a lot of times payroll is one of those things. We all have to have it. We have to pay our employees. Sometimes you buy it and sort of forget about it. Don't do that. Go out and seek out information on what is innovative in payroll. Talk to your current provider. If you don't have a conversation with them where you're seeing them really being innovative and thinking about these things, that should be a little bit of a red flag. You need to talk to someone else and see like what else is coming. I think too, just staying informed about what your peers are doing. And not just peers in your same industry, but peers of similar size organizations, more so than industry. Because I think that a lot of times they get into silos of only what their industry is doing. It's not always the best practice. Sometimes you can take something, you know, if you're in manufacturing, you can take something that healthcare is doing and figure out how to twist it just a little bit, working with your vendor, and come up with something really innovative from a process standpoint that's going to help really drive your organization forward from an impact standpoint. That's great, Trish. Thank you so much for taking the Thank time you. today. Thank you for joining today's podcast. Visit paychecks.com slash payroll hyphen innovation for more information about this topic, including a downloadable ebook with the insights you need to take advantage of three of the latest trends in the industry. 